I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This week, my guest is Mayan Ziv, a photographer, activist, and the founder of Access Now, a connected global platform with information on accessibility. Through a mapping of as many places around the world as possible, and with the help of users' reviews and feedback, Access Now makes it possible to know what spots offer accessible resources to visitors, clients, or guests. Mayan's vision with Access Now is to be able to empower not only people living with disabilities, but really everyone to discover a world of accessible opportunities, make better decisions, and remove barriers. Living with muscular dystrophy herself, Maya knows firsthand the limitations and stigma experienced by people who live with disabilities. Here is our conversation. Mayan, it's a pleasure speaking with you on The Brand is Female today. I'm so glad you could join me and I'm gonna jump right in with my first question. And I'm asking you to go back in time a little bit. And I'm curious to know if growing up, you were already dreaming of a career in the arts or in photography, or if you were picturing something completely different for yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great to be here, Eva. I, uh, growing up, I, I was always very into the arts. I was very creative and kind of grew up in a household where... We were constantly painting things, making things. I, I loved dance as well. Um, I definitely didn't think about photography until I was probably in high school, which was really the first mm -hmm. time where I uh, got more interested in photography as a medium and started playing with a camera and taking some of my own photos. Um, but it's funny, there are pictures of me as a very young girl, like probably like five. Um, playing with my mom's film camera and we have a lot of like home video footage of me like making movies and like mm. I was apparently always interested in cameras I just uh kind of don't remember that um but yeah it wasn't really until high school that I got more serious about um photography as a career And um, I'm curious to know um, kind of what that process was like for you, you know, studying in school. Did it feel right, uh, you know, right away, the field you were you were in? Uh, did you have role models that you looked up to maybe that inspired your chosen career? And then I also want to talk about access now because you you art is a big part of your life, but uh, you've obviously dedicated Uh, a lot of your of your work to other pursuits as well uh, and in this case um uh, helping people with disabilities and uh by providing resources that they uh, they can easily access so um and 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 maybe curious to know how the kind of your two paths kind of uh, you know met at at some point uh, in your journey yeah uh well it's interesting i I, I just fell in love with photography uh, from from kind of that first experience in high school and and really just followed that. Um, I I didn't really know, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have many thoughts about what I wanted to do for, for work or 
you know, what my career would look like in the future, but I just followed the passion of taking photos. And um, I think like the first job I got was to take uh, like headshots for my friend in high school. Mm -hmm. He paid me $20 and I shot his headshots <laughs> during a, a lunch uh, break at school. And I, I, I loved the, the opportunities I got, you know, as a, as a woman sitting on a wheelchair, um, fashion and portraiture for, as a photographer was not like, there weren't people who looked like me, uh, in, in, in the industry. And, um, it was hard to break in at first. Uh, I, I did a lot of work for free. I, um, showed up and just did like creatives and, uh, eventually had an opportunity to start, um, you know, charging and, and creating a, um, like a, a proper kind of professional, uh, photography studio for myself. Uh, and I didn't really see anyone else, you know, that I could say, oh, well, you know, if I could continue. So really my biggest inspiration at the time was Annie Leibovitz. And mm -hmm. I continued shooting and taking photos and I'd kind of, um, you know, got a little bit more comfortable with, with my identity as a photographer. And, and I felt like I needed, um, like a challenge. I needed something new that could push me. Uh, and I found that I was being a bit comfortable. Uh, and so my, I decided to look at, um, different opportunities to go back to school, which I never thought I would do, but I found this one entrepreneurial program it was a master's degree. It was like a one year intensive and it just looked like fun. Uh, and it was really within the first week of studying that access now became an idea, uh, mm -hmm. for me. And, and really I just followed that. So again, it wasn't like I, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go build a business. I'm going to be in tech. Like I really didn't have any of those, um, kind of goals set. It was more that I was mm -hmm. just very, um, excited about this opportunity. And I was very passionate about the problem of accessibility. And that's really, uh, what I followed all this time. Mm. And tell me about getting that off the ground. And I can see how there was obviously a, a need for a platform like yours. Um, you know, what were, what were some of the challenges maybe you encountered at first and, what gave you kind of that, you know, strength and vision to keep going? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question backwards. The, the, sure. the reason that I was so excited was because I saw an opportunity to make a change in my own life. Mm -hmm. And that was very um, initially um, very rewarding to realize that, you know, I'd lived my whole life with a disability. I had always come across places that were not accessible. I'd constantly come up against barriers and, you know, photo shoots at locations that had steps or I'd travel and go to hotels that, you know, I'd book reservation and I'd spend hours online doing research and I'd show up and it was still not accessible and just I've been so many times, like I've just been stuck in the street, <laughs> literally. And it's just such a horrible feeling when you just want to go about your day and feel like accessibility is not like the biggest issue in your life. And to create a platform where I could visibly see 
every place I'd been to, all the information I knew about the accessibility of those spaces. And, you know, I shared it with a few friends and, and they did the same. And all of a sudden it was like the first time I saw the potential for something that could change my life. Uh, and I and I knew that if I could follow that, um, that there are literally millions of people who could benefit from the same thing I was building for myself. That's really been the passion that's pulled me through every time that it's been difficult, knowing that I could make a difference uh, and that now Access Now as a company can make a difference in the lives of millions of people with disabilities has been very uh, rewarding. And the challenges, uh, you know, in, in the life of an entrepreneur every day, you're going to face a different kind of challenge. And, you know, there are the, the large challenges about uh, the lack of awareness and education around accessibility. Those are ongoing challenges that people within the disability community have been fighting for and creating campaigns against. And uh, other challenges include things like I didn't really know how to build a tech company. I didn't know how to build an app or a website or anything. So I've had to learn different things along the way. But I think really the largest challenge is to get uh, to a level of awareness and realization that as a, as a community, as a society, we, we have to address these barriers for, for millions of people. And that it's, mm -hmm. we're talking about human rights. It's not a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to ask something that might be a dumb question to ask, but you obviously, you know, found or are filling a gap um, that exists in, 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 in today's world, in today's society. And you've, you know, by creating access now, you uh, are finally offering resources to people with disabilities. And uh, as, as you've just explained and helping them uh, uh, locate and, and know about um, what is, what is accessible to them out there. But why wasn't, why wasn't a platform like that already in place? And you've brought up some of the challenges around uh, or the challenges for people with disabilities, but what still needs to change or what do we need to tackle when it comes to being more inclusive and people with disabilities in today's society? And maybe we can talk about Canada specifically, although I do believe it's an international reality. Yeah. Um so it's not it's not a silly question. It's a, it's a good question. Why doesn't it exist? It was the number one question I asked myself. <laughs> like, why why has nobody done this yet? Um, and, and there have been some some initiatives here and there, you know, like some some great community efforts and some not for profits that have, you know, rallied their communities. And there are some initiatives out there, but there's nothing that really was able to connect people around the world. Um, and create something global and scalable enough that it could reach people anywhere. Uh, and, and I didn't want like a, 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 like a niche micro, you know, solution that if I was in this really specific town, I could gain access to something if I knew where to look, if I knew the right people who could tell me what to search. I wanted something that was just globally accessible in nature. Uh, and I had not found anything like that. And I think the reason, there's a few reasons Um, one, people with disabilities are dramatically uh, underrepresented in the workforce. So we don't have the insights, the perspectives, um, the creativity that comes from living with a disability affecting or um, impacting a lot of the work that needs to be done. 
So, you know, just by being part of a team that's focused on design, you know, like let's say at Access Now, I'm able to bring a perspective that someone without a disability does not, just like any type of diversity that adds to a workforce. So I think that's one really important issue for why we haven't seen those changes. And the second is that there just is really um, still quite a lack of awareness about why accessibility matters and who it serves. Uh, and people assume that it's like a legal thing or it's for somebody else to take care of, or, you know, if I have time, I'll get to it, but it's not that important. Or, you know, people make all different types of excuses or reasons, but mostly it comes down to just people don't know. Yeah. A lot of people don't know, you know, if you don't have a disability or know someone who does, the chances of you coming across accessibility issues are way less uh, it's not in the school system. It's not on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So how would you how would you discover any of this world if you haven't been faced with it? Yeah, yeah. And you you I mean, and I think representation is is so important for every uh, you know every minority group out there and and, and women included. Um, so when it comes to and you've talked about representation in the workplace, obviously, but. Uh, when it comes to representation in in media, in social media, um, how can and 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 I think you know often, uh, and I, I think of of our, our listeners who have an interest in in making sure that you know we we promote a, an equitable and a um, a, a very inclusive uh, environment. But for someone who is not living with a disability, what can we do? And as citizens, what can we do? to uh, help raise awareness and help increase the representation of people with disability. And I think of even entrepreneurs and business owners, right? Maybe a place to start is is featuring uh, people with disabilities in, in any type of content that they're putting forward. Um, but what, what do you think can have the, the greater impact? What are some small actions that can lead to that kind of impact? Yeah, great question. Uh... And I actually wrote, uh, we put out like a, a blog post for an International Day of Disability uh, in December. Uh, and it's it's interesting how it consistently is becoming one of the most interesting pieces that we've shared is, you know, how to be an ally. Like, how do you show up? Um, and there's like a whole bunch of ways. Um, but one of the first, I think, and the most important ones is is to be curious, is to ask questions and to try and be exposed to people who are different than you. Or, you know, one of the things that I like to recommend to people to do is like just follow influencers. Like yeah. on whatever mm -hmm. social media channel you love the most, follow a few influencers that, you know, have a disability and just hear their insights. Not every person with a disability feels or thinks the same thing, but just to have exposure to a world that's different than yours is one of the easiest ways to start and often a very uh, educational. You know, for example, um, I have a few friends uh, with disabilities that, you know, are really avid social media influencers and they talk about travel. And so you learn about what does it mean to travel with a disability? What are the types of accessibility issues? That be? It's just fascinating. You know, they also visit incredible places, but you learn about uh, your world in a different perspective. So I think just being exposed uh, is the first kind of important thing. And then being, being aware that everything that you do, regardless of what role you're in, 
uh, impacts uh, the world of accessibility. So if you are mm-hmm. a designer, uh, you know, your, your designs can be accessible or they can create further barriers, whether it's contrast or, you know, text or it doesn't matter what, you know, mm-hmm. there is a way to create that as accessible. And there's a way where it, uh, it creates a barrier for someone. If you, you know, are a communicator, what language you use, you know, is it inclusive? Does it signal to people that they're uh, welcome and included? Like, I remember when people used to write um, interviews about me in the past, was use words like wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not wheelchair bound. I, the, the concept of wheelchair bound suggests that I'm, I'm, you know, somehow suffering or stuck in a wheelchair. My wheelchair is an empowering piece of my life. So even just yeah. little words like that signal yeah. people's perspective on a concept that they either know about or don't know about. And so being mm-hmm. informed and asking questions and getting out, you know, of your bubble, looking online and educating yourself. And there are tons of resources to do that. So I think that's really where it starts is just being curious enough to learn. And then, you know, the one, one very critical um, point that I always like to point out is that Accessibility is really for every person. You know, when you watch a video with captions, like even I was, I've been watching this trend on TikTok where originally people would post videos with no captions. Now, all these content creators, whether they realize it or not, are captioning their own videos. Why? Because more people are watching them. They might not realize that those captions are a form of accessibility, but they are. Yeah, and that there yeah, are totally. many, many versions of this where accessibility is part of our, our lives. Curb cuts and, you know, electric toothbrushes and text messaging, like all of these examples. And where if we realize that accessibility benefits every person, it really shifts um, the understanding of what accessibility is here to do, which at the end of the day is here to empower people and to create a sense of inclusion. Uh, it's not like the scary medical or toolbox thing. It's like, it's a vehicle. Uh, yeah. And then it, it applies to everything you do. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's such an interesting perspective that we, we often forget or don't, don't realize. It's really interesting. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Do you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite homegrown films and TV shows? Well, it's time to pop some popcorn, go behind the camera, and meet the people who are making it happen. I'm Mariska Fernandez, host of the Maple Popcorn Podcast. In this new series, you will discover exclusive interviews with Canadian icons and hear them talk about Canadian flicks and even break the fifth wall to share set anecdotes. This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female and powered by Telefilm Canada. 
Subscribe now on the podcast app of your choice and don't miss an episode. Stay in the know by visiting telefilm.ca slash see it all. What needs to be addressed in the workplace, you talked about representation, but, um, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, even women are underrepresented in, in many professions still, although some, we are overrepresented in, in some professions. When it comes to people with disabilities, and I'm thinking of women with disabilities specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, what what do most employers, what should employers know and what should employers be doing to become more inclusive of this group? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think one that people are asking now more than ever You know, with COVID, we've seen how work has changed and what what it means to work and how people work has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. And what's very interesting is that a lot of the things that we now assume, you know, about being able to work remotely and having flexible hours at times and, you know, using technology as one of like your key vehicles to communicate, like, a lot of this is stuff that people with disabilities have been advocating for and have not been seen um, it, it always that employers are very receptive to. So, for example, mm-hmm. you know, hey, uh, for me, commuting every day into the office from nine to five is challenging for these reasons. You know, would I be able to work from home some days? In the past, people would say no or we don't operate that way, or, you know, some of these barriers mentally, and then now we've seen it's possible. So it's just a lesson to show that when we think about inclusive hiring, it really comes down to flexibility and Mm -hmm. recognizing that not everybody works the same way and that when we give people the flexibility and the tools, accessible tools, (laughs) to be empowered, they show up in their best self. And that equally as important is then to be responsive in a way where you value that. You know, it's one thing to hire for diversity, but if you're hiring people for the sake of, you know, having a diverse workforce, if if the work culture is not inclusive and respectful of people's differences, if we don't value people for what they bring that's different than somebody else, then we're not really doing the work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it starts with where are you submitting your, you know, call for for job applications and is the software that you're using to conduct an interview accessible or mm-hmm. are you signaling anything when you interview someone that might suggest, you know, if there are any accommodations, you know, but not in a way where people are then afraid to disclose, but in a way because you've actually done the work to make sure that there are things in place to support people, you know, regardless of who they are. And I think that the best employers understand that. Um, But it's challenging if you've never done it before, for sure. Uh, But it gets, it becomes very um, like second nature once you've learned these ways of of working, which we all kind of aspire to, it just becomes like, of course we should do this. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. that's what I, I love the most about this industry is that once we, once I'm able to engage with people and they've seen like, oh, this is what you've been talking about. It, I've never met someone who said, oh, I did it and I regret it. Like I've never, right. I've never met someone who said, you know, we tried the diversity thing. We tried the inclusion thing. And it didn't work. You know, we invested in accessibility. We wish we never did. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that that makes sense. So hopefully, hopefully more more you know business owners and and entrepreneurs and and leaders hear hear those words uh, uh, from you. Um, I want to talk about the reality of COVID. So you know, we're it it seems like we're finally starting to emerge from a almost eighteen months of a of a, a pandemic reality. Um, and we know, uh, obviously, we spent a lot of time at the Brandy's Female looking at how women are affected and women have been really suffering, uh, you know, a lot of the negative impacts, including domestic violence, job loss, uh, you know, uh, uh, added responsibilities when it comes to childcare and so on. And I'm curious to know, and you you brought up actually some of the things that have changed throughout COVID, uh, especially when it comes to work culture. And it sounds like some things have benefited people with disabilities. If we think about not going into a physical office as much yeah. or having additional technology solutions that can enable us to do work wherever we are. But I'm sure there's uh, there's ways that the you know people with disabilities are also uh, negatively impacted by COVID. So I'd love to know how you know how you feel, what the impact has been, and. Um, how can we make sure moving forward that we're not going backwards? Yeah, great question. Um, I think about when COVID started, you know, when before anyone even realized what it would mean or what a lockdown was, like where we were still kind of just like living our lives and pretending everything was the same. Yeah. Um, there was like a few weeks there where people were like, oh yeah. no, no. It's um, gonna be a couple of weeks and we'll yeah, be back like in the office. Yeah, like it's not a big deal. Uh, and I remember the messaging in the news. Uh, and that's where I realized, like, this could get very ugly. Because from the beginning, the narrative was COVID will really only impact those with underlying health conditions, you know, or, you know, those who are vulnerable. Like, it's not a big deal. The majority of us will be fine. You know, good luck to the rest of you who might fit in that category. And the way that those stories were told, if you identify as someone with an underlying health condition or immunocompromised or, you know, if you're, you know, within an aging population, like, that was the first signal, which we, we've always known within the disability community, that there really is some very dramatic uh, inequalities yeah. um, being played out right in front of us. Yeah. Whose lives we value were literally being told to us on the news across, you know, national and international broadcast. And so early on within the disability community, we, we had to do our own research, which is not new. We had to, you know, there were like Google documents being shared, you know, what are the impacts on COVID if you have this disability or what, like people were just trying to find whatever they could because there just wasn't any information available yet. Um, what we've seen is that that narrative played out uh, and really highlighted how broken a lot of the the healthcare system is Absolutely. in caring for people who need support. Yeah. A lot of people who were left without care because they were at risk of exposure if people were coming in and out of their homes. Uh, I know that there were caregivers who had to choose, you know, I can only go work here. All of a sudden people were left without care. If you are living within a facility where other people are kind of sharing certain resources, then you're also, you know, you were at higher risk of ex exposure. There were 
you know, moments where if you needed to be hospitalized, you weren't able to bring someone with you. Like yeah, all exactly. of these weird barriers where it was a system designed for people without those people as part of the design process. Yeah. Um, disproportionately, people with disabilities have suffered um, very um, difficult times. A lot of people have died. Like it's, mm. it's the worst case scenario you could play out. Um, and it's really, it's really hard to watch that happen when it's, when it's your community, like, and, and there are many communities who are vocalizing similar experiences, yeah. you know, different people for different reasons have really been affected. And, and I totally, you know, I, I empathize with that experience. And I think one of the things that we, we need to do now is, is, is look at that and understand like, who have we missed and why? Like, we have a chance to redesign a lot of the way that we did things. And yeah. including those voices who were not listened to, were not part of, you know, creating solutions for, I think is the number one thing we have to do. We can't mm -hmm. design systems for people without without their involvement in, in the process. Yeah. And that's, you know, from the disability community, one of the, the strongest messages we say is nothing about us without us. You know, there's, yeah. there should be no policy, no product, no service, no nothing that is generated, created without the involvement of people with disabilities. And that's really mm -hmm. what I hope for, uh, is that we can learn from this time and not just go back to repeating old ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, what would you say to young and, and, you know, I, we usually, we, we obviously talk about women and non-binary people. So what would you say to young women and young binary people who also live with a disability in terms of, um, what's, what's possible in the years ahead? Right. And I think we're also sensing this change happening for, for many of, uh, of our, I hate calling them minority groups, but are underrepresented groups mm -hmm. in society. There, there is a wave of change. People are being, you know, more outspoken and coming to uh, the defense of and 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 talking about representation for all groups. And I think social media it's actually one of the good sides of social media. I believe is to help get the word out. Mm -hmm. So, what what would you say to the younger generation in terms of what they should be believing in, fighting for, and what they have to look forward to? Yeah, great question. I. I I feel very strongly that, you know, if you see something that you feel needs to be different, whether it's about you, your own life, your experience, or someone you know, like, don't wait to raise your voice. I think, mm -hmm. you know, when you see something that you know could be different for the positive, <laughs> uh, you know, I think a lot of a lot of young women and people who identify as non-binary, we we wait until we know enough. And often, you know, people who with much less experience, with much less insight, with much less credibility, uh, are are speaking up and getting noticed and getting praised, and and there are are brilliant people who I've met even within, you know, the work at Access Now, who have so much to offer. Um, mm -hmm. But they're like, well, I, who am I, you know, to, and, and I think that the second you start that self-doubt, mm -hmm. that's where 
I think it's like the most kind of um, dangerous place because you can get into these habits of like, well, you know, there's somebody else who's going to do it or somebody else who's smarter or knows more. And I just think that like if every person contributed even just a little, if I take, you know, the example of accessibility, if, if every person did even the smallest thing, we would create a world that's more accessible. And so this concept of like waiting for for permission or for government or for your boss or for whatever, like it takes a lot of courage to, to raise your voice, especially if you don't see yourself reflected in the solution or you don't see yourself reflected amongst the board that you have to pitch to or you know, the, per- you're, you, the person you report to, it doesn't matter. Like it's very hard where, when you feel that you're the only one. I get that, that's like my life. Uh, But it's so important because when you do that, you create space for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that those little opportunities, however small um, or big, depending on your ambition, your ability, your energy level, uh, make a really big difference. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so, so don't be afraid and don't wait. And the second piece that I would offer is, is find the people, because when you do that, it takes a, it takes a toll for sure. So find the people who you can lean on for support. If it's your family, great. If you've got great friends, or if it's just like one person or a teacher or, you know, a colleague, even someone online that you've connected, like it, it, it could be anyone. Uh, or more than one person, it could be a pet, like someone um, that you can lean on that that can that can just help when you just need to decompress in whatever version that is, whether it's ranting or crying or laughing or doing nothing at all and just hanging out with someone. Um, having the support system is so important, especially if you're you know, constantly feeling like you're up against battles that, that people don't see or understand. Um, I would say that those two pieces have been really important for me. Mm, yeah, that's that's good advice. And I want to ask about what's next at Access Now and what's what's something that you're looking forward to when it comes to that part of your work in coming months or, or the coming year? <laughs> Well, uh, first thing I'm really excited about uh, the opportunity of the world opening back up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I've been uh, kind of working remotely from home for over a year now, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have a chance to, you know, I'm, I'm vaccinated now and have a chance to get out a little more and start to see human beings again. Uh, I think for Access Now, you know, our our focus has always been to help people discover new places and go places and you know just have a world that's more open to them and so yeah you know this last year we've really been focused on our technology and you know some initiatives around uh covid and you know trails and outdoor experiences and so now you know the next few years are really about um being being that source of empowerment for people to find information to go out and do what they want live their lives, not worry about accessibility if they need it. Uh, and if they don't need it to contribute to the movement, which is really what we're focused on doing, you know, building a worldwide active community of people who mm-hmm. want to contribute in whatever capacity, if they want to add a review to our platform, you know, send something online to someone, advocate, whatever. Um, 
it's it's for us is really it's a global mission and we're 100 percent just focused on you know raising awareness in and creating real impact that makes a difference every day Mm -hmm. Well said. So we'll make sure to support your work and follow <laughs> Access Now and amplify uh, all the, the work that, that you're putting into it. Um, and then my my last question, which is also my favorite to ask guests on the podcast is, what do you wish? And I, I, I do need to rephrase it, but talking about women and non-binary people specifically, what do you wish women and non-binary people would do less of? apologizing <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because i just had an interview right before this and the the person gave the same answer yeah. so <laughs> yeah you know there's consensus yeah i i there's this comes up a lot uh and it's similar to what i was saying earlier you know like if you know something you feel like something should change and you want to make a difference like don't wait yeah. um and and don't apologize for For your for your perspective for your opinion you know just because it's not the status quo or what people see every day doesn't mean that what today is is what should be and so you know just yeah be bold be bold and, and be comfortable with that yeah wise words <laughs> uh i think yeah love that Well, thank you so much, Mayan. It's been a pleasure uh, hearing about your work and congratulations. And thank you for, for everything that you're doing. Uh, we'll add all the links to, uh, to, to follow you and support Access Now. And also there will be a transcript of this interview. This is something we should have been doing earlier at the Brennan's Female, but we now have the resources in place to do that. So a fully written transcript for people who cannot listen to the interview, they'll be able to read the interview. So thank you so much and uh, best of luck with everything that's coming up uh, in within the next few months and year. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandy's Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.